sighs to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. As, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with thee in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Amen. May God bless to our hearts this reading from his word. Our Father, we bless thee for the opportunity of giving for the work of your kingdom. We pray that thou wilt superintend these gifts which we have brought today, and that thou wilt use them to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ and help to many people. And now wilt thou cause the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Our second lesson in Scripture is a continuation of this high priestly prayer of our Lord is found in John 17, beginning with verse 13 through the end of the chapter. And now I come to thee, that these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, 
that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now for the benefit of the members of our congregation this morning who are visitors, I have just returned from being gone for almost four weeks. I've been absent for three Sundays, but nearly four weeks. I have been preaching in India. This was a very great experience for me. One of the first impressions, of course, when you go there is the uh, great distance out to the southern tip of India. I worked in the state of Kerala. I preached about 26 or 7 times. I say that because half the time I, uh, we were moving from place to place so quickly that I didn't know whether I was preaching in a dream or what. Well, now then, here I go to the state of Kerala, way down on the southern tip of India. And on Saturday morning, they say to me, well, will you come and speak to the Children's Special Service Mission? Well, a few weeks ago, we had this wonderful old Dutch lady here, Corrie Tin Boom, and she had her little flashlight, and uh, she illustrated how we were to be the light of the world, and I remembered Corey's illustration. And she had a black thing that was supposed to be sin, and in the interest of sin, I mutilated one of my black socks and put in the flashlight <laughs> to illustrate to the children now that something could come between you and the Lord and make your light ineffective, and they loved it. All of this had to be done, of course, through an interpreter. And uh, we had a grand time with the children. And uh, with, uh, there were 250 of them there. And they were greatly impressed. And when it was over, they all wanted to come up and shake hands with me. I was the only pale face around there. And uh, they wanted to touch white skin. It was very unusual. And uh, so they were coming up, one little boy, and I said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Matthew. And I said, what a wonderful name, Matthew. You know, and the interpreter told him. Another little boy came up and I said, what is your name? He said, his name is Paul. And I said, boy, that's a great name, Paul. And another little guy came up and I said, what is your name? He said, Lenin. <laughs> I thought, oh, no, <laughs> Lenin. <laughs> I said, well, I, I said, I'm glad to shake hands with Lenin. <laughs> and I had to think of something. There were some things that I learned that I could not have learned any other way except by going and preaching and seeing. And among these things, this, I think, comes forward. 
The thing that separates men is not skin, but sin. Not culture. Here I was from an entirely different background, unusual, and yet they were willing to listen to the gospel when I preached it and were open and enthusiastic and receptive to it. In the course of the first two weeks, the three of us in the team spoke face to face to 155,000 people. Of that number, over 1,900 came forward, and this is not done often in this area, came forward at the response of an invitation, giving their lives in some form of commitment to Jesus Christ. Many of these people were Hindus and Muslims for whom this would mean a great sacrifice. Now, in this great prayer of our Lord's, which I read this morning, this is one of the most sacred and moving passages in all of the Bible, and at your leisure I hope that you will read the, this prayer. We speak of the Lord's prayer, but that was a prayer he was teaching his disciples. But here John has recorded for us a prayer which originated in the mind of the Lord Jesus himself and which he verbalized and offered to his heavenly Father. It's easily divided into three portions. In the first five verses, he speaks in a prayer for himself. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said simply, Father, Father, the hour is come. He came into this world for that hour which now approached, and he was ready for that hour, that hour which would mean his sacrifice upon the cross, the purpose for which he was born. Just as in ancient Israel, the high priest would go once a year into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, to make there a prayer for himself and for his fellow priests and for the people of God, the covenant community. So our Lord Jesus here offers a prayer, a prayer in which he consecrates himself as the sacrificial victim who shall die that our sins might be taken away. His words are powerful. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Someone once asked Sadhu Sundar Singh, the great Indian mystic who became a tremendous Christian, who at first was opposed to Christ and burned up a Bible and would have nothing to do with Christianity, and later he had a dynamic encounter with the risen Christ that transformed his whole life and made him a flaming missionary, a, a carrier of the gospel, who gave his life in Tibet, taking the gospel to the difficult regions there. Someone asked Sundar Singh one time, some Hindu, said, what does Christianity have to offer? What does Christianity have to offer that none of the other religions have to offer? And Sundar Singh said, Jesus Christ. 
That's what Christianity has to offer that no other religion has to offer. Jesus Christ, uniquely the Son of God. This great word, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. When old John Knox lay dying, he called his wife to his bedside. I came back through Edinburgh and I thought of this. And he said to his wife, Go and read me where first I cast my anchor. She needed no further instruction. And she read to the dying John Knox these words. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Here Christ prays for himself. He came to give us eternal life. His hour had come, and he was adequate, and he was up to the moment and ready for the hour. And the challenge that comes to my heart and which I would like to pass along to you is are we ready for the challenge today? Are we ready for the hour that God has given us? I think the day is rapidly approaching when Jesus will come again. I think the gospel has been preached. There are Christians in Nepal, there are Christians in Afghanistan, there are Christians in Tibet, there are Christians in China, there are Christians in Russia. There are Christians now, I believe, in every part of the world. I've often wondered if maybe this isn't an indication that the time is drawing very near, that he is coming back. He was ready for the hour. We ought to be using every opportunity that we can to get the gospel message of eternal life out to as many as we can. Secondly, Jesus prayed not only for himself, but he prayed for his disciples. Here he prays that they might be one. Now, I am not one of those who believes that this happens to refer to 475 Riverside Drive in New York City. I don't believe that it is an organizational unity of which Christ is speaking, although there may be uh, good reasons for having uh, organizational unity. But of course, there was no vision here of any such thing as denominations. Denominations are a relatively new thing anyway. They're only three or 400 years old. It was a long time before they came along and denominations came about because people after the Reformation took the Bible so seriously that they divided up into Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalians and so on because they, they were really taking it seriously. And I don't think it's been an altogether bad thing because I think as a result of it, the gospel is spread in the most revolutionary way from that Reformation period forward. It's spread tremendously and rapidly as a result of it. I personally believe that there is safety in a multiplicity uh, of denominations I believe, however, that the unity for which he prays here is the unity I felt there. The unity that I could feel with an Anglican bishop. The unity that I could feel with a Martoma priest. The unity that I could feel uh, with a Jacobite. We were united in truth. And he says, thy word, O God, is truth. I'm willing to unite with anyone who is willing to recognize the word of God as the truth of God. 
the revealed truth of God. Thy word, O God, is truth. And the unity and holiness, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. We reject the word of God because the word of God points out our sins. That's why we tear it up and destroy it. We don't want it to point out our sins. One of the stories I heard one of the Indian preachers tell out there was of a man out in the jungle who came along one day and, and picked up a mirror that someone had thrown away, and it was a wild tribesman in the jungle in South India. And he had never seen a mirror, and he picked it up, and he looked at his countenance, and he was horrified at what he saw, this monstrous-looking person, and he threw the thing away. And then he went over, and he picked it up again, and he looked at it, and he saw himself. And he threw it away again. And he said, I know why whoever had that threw it away. It's because of that ugly person that's in there. Well, that's the way we are with the word of God, said this Indian preacher. We throw it away because the word of God shows us a picture of sin. We don't want to be guilty of immorality and adultery and fornication and licentiousness and worldliness. And so we rip it to shreds and adopt another morality, which is not a morality at all. We reject the mirror of God's truth. But here Jesus prays, sanctify them. Sanctify means to make holy. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now then, that's unity in truth, unity in holiness. And now look what he says. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Why did God send Jesus into the world? To seek and to save that which was lost. That is the primary mission and ministry of the church. We can be shunted aside into a multitude of otherwise good activities. But what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word, O God, is truth. As thou hast sent me, so send I them. And so the unity for which Christ prayed, and the unity which I experienced in this mission in India, and the unity which I commend to you, is not a dull uniformity, but a unity in the truth from Scripture. A unity in holiness of life, which the scriptures mirror for us. And a unity of mission, which is to take the message of eternal life to all the people of the world. Another great influence of an American evangelist happened in the city of Nottingham in England. A man by the name of James Coggy went and preached. And in a little Methodist church there, there was converted to Jesus Christ a young 17-year-old boy by the name of William Booth. He became the founder of the Salvation Army. He went after the teeming multitudes of the slums of the cities of England. And out of that organization came an army of salvationists taking their message to the ends of the earth. An old Negro preacher from the South was once visiting in Nottingham, and he went to that Methodist chapel where William Booth had been converted. 
There is a tablet there that speaks of his conversion experience. The old Negro put his hand up against that tablet and bowed his head and said, Lord, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Raise up some more like that man. Let us stand in prayer. <clears throat> oh God, our Father, the world is so big. And there are so many people. And yet we bless thee that thou hast given us the dignity of life eternal through Jesus Christ, that thou hast given us the privilege of holiness by his Holy Spirit's work in our lives, and that thou hast equipped us, each one, as missionaries to those about us here at home and to those with whom we may have contact far away. Help us to be faithful as he was faithful. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and our guide, be and abide with you all, both now and forevermore.